We are back for a week four recap. After hitting the double century mark in cash, 200 points, but falling into those AOC trap fraternities and reviewing the crazy separation between the haves and the have-nots of the first round, let's get to it right now. Welcome back to the DraftKings Football Show, hosted in partnership with our friends at DraftKings. I am your host, Justin Herzig, and this feels like a missed opportunity week is the best way I can describe it for myself. Um, not going to bury the lead. Cash lineup put up 202.2 points. Literal, absolute smash. Finished 14th place out of 17,241 entries in the $5 Giant Double Up. And... Did very well in cash, but didn't roll this tournament, didn't roll this lineup into a single tournament. Um, gosh, it feels tough. Pretty much would have finished like top 10 and uh, top five, top 10, just about every tournament that I entered, uh, which were a bunch of the single entry. Would have probably been something around like a 15x day for tournaments, but I'm not the, I haven't been one that really puts my cash lineup in. I know that occasionally this kind of thing happens and you really just smash on all accounts. But, I mean, it's tough. It's tough. Because when we go through my cash lineup, like, we'll see. I mean, hey, almost everyone was high-owned. I wasn't getting leverage anywhere. It wasn't the right process to put it into tournaments. So part of me is like, you just kind of got to suck it up. We got to accept that this is a win, that we did extremely well in cash, swept everything. And uh, I don't know. Maybe I get the argument, throw one in a tournament just so I don't feel like this, but it is what it is. I'm not upset with the process. I'm usually, maybe I need to like, you know, think through like, hey, how can I do small tweaks, small pivots off of it? But um, let's review that lineup. So the lineup for this week was Anthony Richardson, Christian McCaffrey, and Kyron Williams at running backs, four wide receivers, Keenan Allen, Josh Palmer, Puka, and Adam Thielen, tight end, Tanner Hudson, and defense Carolina Panthers. So as we think through these, so from a QB standpoint, was never really considering anyone other than Anthony Richardson until the Jimmy G news. And then we had that min price, Aiden O'Connell, AOC. Um, but for me, I went through it and normally we like paying down for quarterback because we know that there's going to be volume. You know, when you think about from a wide receiver and you get a cheap wide receiver or a cheap running back, um, we don't really know what their role is going to be because they still, if it's a wide receiver tight end, they still have to earn targets. But as a quarterback, you can still know that, hey, each snap that quarterback is touching the ball. So you're getting the volume. Now the efficiency, the skill may not be there. But when you're talking mid-price at $4,000, it is definitely tempting. But I don't think that like Anthony Richardson was overpriced or anything. I thought he was actually a strong value at where he was at $6,700. So I'm already getting a player that I think is just on another level from a red zone usage, from how they're using him around the goal line, just the overall efficiency of that offense. And at 6,700, that felt like a high floor, high ceiling play. And when I look at the Aiden O'Connell play, I just thought there was too much macro risk and that the floor was just too low. Because, yes, we saw Aiden O'Connor in preseason. It was pretty good at passing. Like, again, it is preseason. We're not expecting anything from the ground out of him. So if he, uh, you know, ended up with one of those games where 200 yards, no touchdowns, wouldn't shock me. Like, this isn't also if it was uh, 
Sam Darnold filling in for Brock Purdy, where you get the San Francisco offense. Like this is the Vegas, no, this is Vegas Raiders. They're not actually that great. So I just saw too much macro risk there. And on the other side, it's if you are paying down, what are you doing with that extra money? And for me, it felt like you were upgrading one of your wide receivers, probably Adam Thielen to someone like Jamar Chase. Maybe you get a tight end upgrade going from like Tanner Hudson up to like Pat Fryermuth or something. It just wasn't attractive enough um, to me to get those type of upgrades um, and what I was giving up in Anthony Richardson. Um, if you look at the ownership wise from a QB, it O'Connell ended up being an 18% of lineups, Anthony Richardson, 14 or 15. So those were the two highest owned. Just after that was Russell Wilson and Justin Herbert, who also had pretty decent days. Um, some of you got killed if you played either of those two either, uh, but pretty spread out among the quarterbacks on, you know, on this slate. For running backs, uh, Kyron and CMC to me were kind of locks. Also, both were owned by 42% of the field. So those are the highest owned running backs. Um, I could project them both for 90% of the workload. Both teams really prefer rushing in the red zone really just never looked anywhere other than locking in those two and then deciding, do I want to play a third running back in the flex? I considered Zach Moss, considered Javante Williams. I don't think Moss is as solid as a play as the last two weeks that Minshew was in. Minshew, far more willing to throw to the running backs, used around the goal line. Yes, Zach Moss still ended up getting two touches near the goal line. Um, so maybe you could say he ran by, maybe that would have been a decent play. Um, I don't, it, it wasn't a must for me, and I liked the other wide receivers that we'll discuss a bit more. And then from a Javante standpoint, yes, he was in a great matchup, but he's still competing with works Samaja P. Ryan, and turns out also Jaleel McLaughlin. Um, we don't really have a – I think we've seen the most is around 12 touches. Maybe you can kind of think that this would gradually increase as he gets more healthy. Um, but it just, I don't think he had the upside that I was looking for. Um, so ended up going with a wide receiver and playing four wide receivers, starting off Puka at $6,700 in a dome. And what we expect to be a fast paced game was too good of a value to pass up, uh, locked him in. Then if you go to the charger side, both Keenan Allen, and Josh Palmer were prices. If Mike Williams is playing, playing, but no Mike Williams and no Eckler, this puts Keenan and Palmer both as strong values. I wouldn't call them exact locks, especially when Jimmy Garoppolo ended up being out because now you have that mass group macro risk that the Chargers wouldn't need to throw as much. Uh, but I still like them as values and so plug them in. And the last spot was the Adam Thielen at 4,500. I think he was just good value given the role we've seen out of him. Yes, it's not as quite as good of a play as if Andy Dalton was in, but still strong. He got the volume we expected. Um, and those ended up being the four most owned wide receivers on board. So if you do look like my you know, two running backs, I played 42, 42% highest owned. the four wide receivers. I played were 53, 38, 34, 33 for highest owned as well. After that, that's where the Jamar chase is right around 24, 25%. And so that's where, when people did pay down for Aiden O'Connell, they really tried to get up to that Jamar chase ended up being a bit of a dud. Ah, Bengals having the worst offense through four weeks, three touchdowns, just something's off. Obviously, we know the cap injury for Joe Burrow, but like that team, it just is not clicking. And that's what I was saying there, where I didn't feel that the value to pay up to Jamar Chase was worth the dropping from, down from Anthony Richardson. On the tight end and defense, these kind of just fell into place with how much money I had left. Uh, Min Price, Tanner Hudson with Irv Smith out, and then Carolina Panthers D at 2,500. I didn't really love any of the tight ends if you were going to pay up a little. Uh, Pat Fryermuth was the highest owned tight end. 
uh, in a strong matchup against Houston, coming in at 30% of the field. Obviously, he got hurt. But prior to this game, I'm going back memory, I think he's only had four targets at most in each of the three games. Yes, I think two touchdowns. Um, but didn't feel that that was necessary for me to pay up when I could get Min Price, Tanner Hudson, who um, was still going to be the pass-catching tight end in that um, you know, in, in that Bengals offense with Noah Irv Smith. Um, and then Carolina, um, fair enough against Minnesota, very cheap. Um, wasn't going to alter the rest of my lineup to pay up for a uh, defense. So overall, as I said, like, I mean, everything just absolutely smashed other than what Tanner Hudson putting up four points, but no tight end really separated. That was owned by more than I think like um, looking right now. Yeah, I think the highest of anyone that was owned by more than 2% of the field was Jake Ferguson at 14, Zach Ertz at 11, but each of them only 3% owned. Um, no one really separated. Um, that was actually owned. like Cole Komet, Mark Andrews obviously had huge days, but no one really had them in cash. Um, so, yeah, I mean, fantastic week. Putting up 202, finishing point, what, 0.01% or something. Um, but, again, hey, it's a it, it's double up. It is what it is. Um Here's what I want to note, though, from a contest selection. Uh, each week I've talked in this. I continue to harp on it. Uh, in the past weeks, we were seeing the single-entry double-ups comparing to the multi-entry, where you can 150 max double-ups. In the past, the gap had been something around like seven, eight points between the single-entry and the, ca and the cash line and for the multi-entry. So hey, more difficult to win in that multi-entry one. This week is insane. The cash line for single entries was right around 141, 142. The cash line, so for the $5 that I was looking at, $5 single entry was 141.66. The cash line for the $5 multi-entry was 168.52, a difference of 27 points. If you, I mean, these this contest selection aspect for anyone that is not trying to literally get as much down as possible in the cash, like I can't, can't harbor this enough. Only enter the single entries first. If you then enter, enter every single entry, double up, and you still want more action, then you can make the decision whether it is worth it for you to go into these multi-entry ones. But first and foremost, enter those single entries. Focus on that. It is just such a more profitable um, long-term. You're going to have higher ROI if you focus on those single entries. 27-point gap between those two is just insane. Okay, moving on to attorneys. First off, as I mentioned, I didn't play my cash line. But what I did do is then I was like, hey, the AOC. I fell into the Aiden O'Connell trap. I didn't want to play AOC in cash because the low four, but figured at that price and the like low ownership on those pass catchers um, with Jimmy G out, I could double stack him. I could bring it back with Keenan. I could still create a solid lineup. Ended up getting AOC at 4% attorneys, which is a little crazy considering in cash games, he's the highest owned quarterback. And then in tournaments, he's only 4%. So I love that. Devontae and Jacoby each came in around 12% each, and then Keenan at 28%. That one wasn't surprising as the expensive theme to bring back with a lot of people playing the Herbert side. Um, I grabbed Kyron, who I loved as well. Rashad White got at 1.5 ownership, which is great for a guy given his workhorse role. Um, and I paid up at tight end to get Goddard, paid up for the Eagles against the Commanders, wanted to get unique because I felt that the majority of the board was really going to go for these cheaper tight end plays. Um and the same thing with the defense. Uh, if you were going to pay up, I think you were going to the middle range, maybe get up to the Ravens because you were going against Browns without Deshaun Watson. Um, I like the Eagles against the Commanders. Commanders giving up the most sacks out of any team this year. Uh, Eagles did end up getting five sacks in that game, but not much else. Um, and I rounded out with Thielen. And uh, so for those who are ETR subscribers, um, 
or of uh, the solver, which is the you know partnership company with ETR uh, for an optimizer and for simulations. So I ran it through the ETR solver, got an astounding 142% ROI, 3% of the team finishing in the top 1%. This is my new process around tournaments where first I kind of think through what my actual tournament lineups that I like are, then run it through that, see how it fares and make some small tweaks. Um, if you a future episode, if people are interested, I can definitely talk a little more about my thoughts on Sims and how I'm using them. Um, but overall, it wasn't meant to be. AOC struggled behind that offensive line. Devontae was hurt for a bit. Kobe really didn't do much. Ended up, I should have just followed my Thursday advice that I gave you all, which was that, hey, I think Josh Jacobs is actually a great one-off play from this game. Um, yeah, he ended up having uh, led the team in receptions. Um had a touchdown as well, had, I think, that first kind of, I don't want to say a breakout game for him, but definitely a very strong game for Josh Jacobs. And we, I think we saw it. We saw the peripherals. We saw the usage. We saw kind of how uh, much he was involved in the passing game with with Devontae and Jacoby. And this time it seemed like the offensive line was able to actually create some, um, you know, he was able to get yards before contact on the ground as well. So that looked good. So my tournament lineup only finished with 111 points. Cash lineup almost doubled it. Uh, did not make anything there. Um, on to the next one. Okay. And to wrap up, I thought what was most interesting and what really defined today from a tournament perspective was the first rounders that we've been drafting. So from a best ball, from a redraft and everything, uh, we'll use DraftKings points here, but we are seeing substantial separation amongst the first round, especially today. And uh, this is where... I don't know. Like the old adage was that you can't win your league in the first round, but you sure can lose it. And I think we can definitely agree that like, hey, when you're taking zeros from your first round, yes, there is a chance you can lose it. But I think also we do need to, I mean, this isn't anything from a projection standpoint of like, hey, if we wanted to, there are mistakes that were made. I think it just shows the importance and how um, even if it's not predictive, hitting on your first round pick is so important for your home leagues for your best ball drafts for all that. First rounders, starting off with a tier of his own, Christian McCaffrey puts up 51.7 points, gets those four touchdowns this week, almost had a fifth, but they really wanted to do anything possible, it seems like, to get someone else in the end zone with Yuschuk getting a try, then Brock Purdy. Uh, but yeah, 51.7 for CMC. Uh, no Elijah Mitchell. If he's going to continue to get this usage, how much they want to run around the goal line, um, he could have a just absolute bananas. Um, career type year. Uh, next, we're going to call it the great to elite production. You got AJ Brown with 41.5, Stefan Diggs with 39, slightly below Justin Jefferson with 26.7, and Bijan Robinson 21.7. Uh, you're very happy, obviously, with AJ Brown and Stefan Diggs, and pretty happy with Justin Jefferson and Bijan Robinson, uh, even though they didn't have their career type games. Justin Jefferson. Still crazy. Justin Jefferson, I think, had two touchdowns and still only puts up 26.5 when you compare to the days that AJ Brown and Stephon Diggs had from an um, actual yardage standpoint as well as total receptions. Um, and then after those, you've got five that I would say success, um, you know, successful days. After that, it really starts to get a little rough. We've got the not good enough column. We've got Amon Ra at 16.6, C.D. Lamb at 14.8, Jamar Chase at 14.3, Travis Kelsey at 12, Tyreek Hill at 10.2. I mean, yeah, those are points. Like, you, you know, if you're doing best ball, they probably end up close to your lineup. Maybe your flex, maybe you play them. But you're talking these other guys are, I mean, Christian McCaffrey 
had five times as many points as Tyreek Hill. Like, yeah, that's that's a huge gap to overcome. Um, even the great elite production, we're still 3x, 4xing a lot of this group. Um, and then below them, you've got the painful, painful zeros. Cooper Cup with his zero. Austin Eckler with his zero. Nick Chubb with a zero. Obviously, the Nick Chubb one, hey, it is what it is. You're not recovering from that one. Cooper Cup and Austin Eckler are really hoping that they get them back soon. I do think we'll have Austin Eckler in his next game, which would be week six after the bye. And I put a tweet out on this not too long ago, but I think if I could choose one player, if I knew that I had a team that was live in week 17 and I could choose one player to be on it, I think that is Austin Eckler. He is not going to have a high advance rate because of the games that he has missed so far. But when you consider what how much he's going to be used in that passing game, the matchup against Denver in week 17, um, I think, and like Josh Kelly is not catching any balls. We saw a little more Isaiah Spiller this week, but in general, like I think Austin Eckler is just going to be an absolute smash. And so teams that are able to survive thus far with Austin Eckler, even if you're in the kind of the middle or the top half of your leagues coming back, Austin Eckler week six. And if he can stay healthy, I think he can be absolutely the guy that you want in week 17. Um, Cooper Cup, I'm a little more hesitant on because this injury, I just don't know when he is going to come back. I don't even know what his role is going to be. It doesn't feel like Puka can just disappear. Puka literally set a record for the most receptions of a rookie in their first five games, and he did it in four games. So he could have zero receptions next week, and he still already set that record. Uh, He leads the entire league in receptions. Yes, like, I mean, I I just don't think Cooper Cup – is going to have the uh, wide receiver one type upside with Puka and the role that we kind of expect Puka has earned in this offense. Cooper Cup can still is still going to be a major key part of your offenses, and I'm excited to see what that team looks like with him back. Hopefully, he can get healthy. Uh, but if I'm just comparing, uh, I'm a little more excited about Austin Eckler. All right, that is it for this week. Um, Overall, pretty pretty fun week four. We are um, starting to get, I think, our little feet underneath us. We're starting to get a feel for um, some trends and such. Um, I think that's all for now. Hopefully, we had some nice caches from you all. Um, hopefully, we had some big things. Um, and uh, I will – what is tonight? I'm trying to think what tonight's game is. We got a Monday night football game tonight. Uh, and, oh, it is – we got Giants at Seattle. Um, I'm most interested for the Giants side of things to see um, what, you know, the Giants have had two very difficult defensive matchups and then one pretty easy one, a moderate one, I would say, against Arizona. Arizona looked pretty good against Kansas City. They actually looked pretty good this year. Uh, um, um, oh, I'm stuttering right now because I'm trying to think about it. But uh, with this New York Giants and the Seattle aspect, yeah, I'm excited to see what New York Giants, if that offensive line can actually support because we don't think of Seattle as having like a strong front seven. Um, so can that offensive line protect Daniel Jones, given the long grass and stuff? I'm not expecting Saquon Barkley tonight, but I'm hoping for a pretty good game, and I'm hoping to see a little more out of the Giants side of things. Um, and then out of the Seattle, uh, maybe we'll slowly see a little more ramping up of JSN. Uh, Zach Charbonnet, it seemed to be a pretty kind of spread out offense as long as everyone is healthy, um, but hoping for a good game tonight. Everyone else, appreciate you tuning in. Have a great week, and I will be back Thursday, and uh, we'll keep talking some mid-season best ball. We'll preview the week ahead, and uh, hope we can take down some more tourneys next week. All right. All right. We'll talk to you all later. Enjoy.